Welcome everybody to the Steve Jordan Experience. Thanks for being here. If you have been here before, thank you for coming back and listening. And if this is your first time, thanks for listening and please stick around. Make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast so that we can get guests like the guest I have today, Stuart Roberts, who has just recently written a book called Visibility, Playing to Win the Game of Life. And it's a, it's a book for fathers who are skilled providers, someone who's very successful, but they are challenged in other core life areas, including self, health, inner peace, family, and marriage. He is a Harvard graduate with a number of career successes. He was failing at home and with himself. He was out of shape. He was struggling with depression and anger, and his wife was just about done. With divorce looming and two toddlers at home, he knew he needed to make changes, but he was unsure where to begin. So he turned to his health. He turned to his mindset. His marriage and life around work, completely worked itself around, and now he has written a book about that called Visibility. And I'm grateful that he's here today. Uh, Stuart Roberts, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, when you reached out to me, I was uh, very intrigued by the by the title uh, because those who have listened to this podcast before uh, know that you know, as a health and fitness coach, I have repeatedly said that I don't just help people get fit. I I don't just help people get healthy, but I help them play the game of life better. And that's really where the, the choice is to have all of that better health, better fitness, better quality of life, and success in almost any area of your life it begins. So when you work with me one-on-one or virtually, uh, that's where the coaching is. That's where you'll be motivated, inspired, and educated so that when you go out into the life, those other 23 hours of the day, that's when you're making the better choices so that you are winning the game of life. So I'm really interested to know about what your what your intention was in writing this book, Visibility, and Playing to Win the Game of Life. Where did that stem from and why did you choose the title? Gosh, well... Um... It's just after after failing for so long and trying <laughs> figuring some things out, it comes from a very humble place in all honesty. You know, just short short uh, background on myself, grew up a middle-class kid. Uh, my idea of, of achieving success and building a life, everything was, was going to flow from the money I was going to make. And so it started out with, with that simple understanding that money was going to bring me what I needed. And it, it created opportunity, right? It gives you access to maybe a, the right women to meet, uh, build a beautiful family, have a nice home. Well, I got all that. And I found myself in 2015, just miserable. We had moved into our dream home, um, anger problem, issues, issues at home. We had two little kids, life was falling apart and my wife was done. She was done. And it's, it's even today, even now it's humbling to share this, um, it was uh, it was ugly, and everything was crumbling. And I realized that I was the root of that problem, and that to turn that around and, and to change all started with me. And it's interesting with what you do, Steve, because it dovetails so nicely. In that, you know, I was I was overweight, I was out of shape. It was a self pity story. It was a couple drinks on a Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday to get through the day, and it wasn't working. But it all started with turning around my fitness. And so that's why I reached out to you because so f- I think I think so many more people need to understand that if you can start with your fitness and get your shit together, you know, for lack of a better phrase, that your the rest of it can fall into place. And so that's what I did, um, and uh, and that's what the book's about. It's about my humble story, my journey, and uh, and advice to men with families, young families who 
who could use some assistance that are in a bad place. Well, that's awesome. And congratulations on turning it around. I know that's not an easy thing to do. And, uh, you know, with divorce rates higher than ever before, and it's easy just to call it quits. And now there's so much easy ways and access to meeting somebody else and all that lure, you know, social, social media and uh, other types of social networking opportunities via your phone and whatnot. So congratulations on, on sticking to that, you know, original plan of staying married and committed for life. Um, as you vowed to, do, to both do. What makes me kind of laugh and, and kind of chuckle is you, you talk about, you know, money was your game, you know, to show success. I grew up in very similar backgrounds, middle class, New Jersey. My dad, uh, you know, was a self-made man, entrepreneur, and created some, some quite some opportunities for him when I was maybe about 14, 15 years old. And they did very, very well um, for themselves, more than any probably buddy else that we were surrounded by. And I remember he had a t-shirt that said, the man with the most toys, the man with the most toys, or the man who dies with the most toys wins. That was a t-shirt that he wore. And at a young, impressionable age at 14 years old, that was also what I saw. And I have... And had I, I say I have because it's really hard to break it. It's still there. I think we all have it, but I definitely keep it at bay and calm. That need to feel successful by, you know, money or accolades or possessions. Uh, as I shared with you earlier, I just bought my first home in Costa Mesa, which was you know a, a great opportunity. Um, I've had a lot of success. I've I've been working with some of the most successful people in the world, billionaires, millionaires. I've flown mm. on private jets helicopters picking me up in Monaco and flying me to Saint-Tropez and like crazy cool stories that like would only, you couldn't even write it in a movie, but you know, and, and it's like awesome, but like that doesn't define success. Those people were no more happier than I was. And the fact that there was probably often more, I was happier living, you know, the life, the humble life that I was living, the the balanced life that I was living and without expectations. Came, yeah. Without expectation. And, you know, it was, it's a hard thing to do. And especially today in a world that we live in where social media is showcasing everybody's like a image, you know, their perfect life. How do you, you know, how do you now manage that? You know, uh, and again, I'm almost asking for advice because I have challenges, you know, constantly trying to fight myself to be able to, to balance that, you know, knowing that every, everything I, this is a saying that have, and I'll finish here. Everything that I have is within me now. So I don't need anything outside, anything external. Beautiful. Everything that I have is within me. And so all I have to have is myself, me, myself, and I, and I'm happy as a clan. You know, I, I love what you're saying. Um, you know, what, what helps to keep me along that path, and, and this isn't, I'm not above it. I mean, I still run into to challenges and, and by no means do I mean to suggest that I've arrived in life. I've fumbled through it, failed along the way, and I'm, I'm, just, I see myself having figured some things out and I wanted to share, but, uh, but, but I, but I, I think it's a, you know, it's a testament and a testimonial. Like, I think what you just said there is important. I don't think you ever arrive. Like you, exactly. it's a, you know, it's like an, an, an addict saying I'm, you know, I'm sober today, right. Not saying sober for life today, right. one day at a time. Right. Right. I've gotten into the Stoics and uh, mm. I think uh, Marcus Aurelius is a, is a hero of mine. One of the last, arguably the last great Greek emperor. And um, he was actually, people misunderstand the Stoics. They think it's about living this puritanical life where you're not supposed to have anything of, of you know, any, any trappings of, of wealth, but that's not true at all. They were, uh, it was more about figuring stuff out and, uh, and moving forward in, in a structured way. And 
one of the things I love about uh, his book Meditations is that he he talks about. I mean, here's someone with unbelievable privilege. I mean, he was the the emperor, he was you know the king, and he could have anything he wanted whenever he wanted it. And he talks about you know um, not uh, not sleeping with his slaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, here was someone who showed uh, he showed compassion, he showed love, and he showed. Um, you know, a measured response and, and the way he carried himself. And it was, it was almost as though he could appreciate that he was called to a higher purpose. And, and some of these earthly things that he was bestowed with, you know, favorably weren't necessarily the end all be all. There was more to that. And that makes him such an incredible, uh, credible person to revere and to respect and to look up to. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, uh, not the same situation with me, but, but I try to keep it we try to keep things simple, simple, uh, simple and, and humble. Um, mm. The book is about five core areas. So it's a shift model, self-help, inner peace, family, and trade. And so my argument is, as we grew up, success was quantifiable in terms of the money you had. And society still does this today. It points to, if I can achieve this level or I could make this amount of money, then I'm going to be, quote, unquote, success externally, successful externally, and everything else will flow from there. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way, as you know. And so instead, what I try to look at is, is filling these five buckets weekly. So for me, it's itself having an identity that's separate from, for men, this is a tough one, that's separate from your work or what you do, right? It's separate from being a, a, a husband, being a dad, who am I? And, and that's key. Um, I've got a you know, great core set of friends, people that keep me honest, and, and uh, we enjoy traveling, things that I like to do, as well as feeding the marriage and, and, and feeding, uh, the, the kids. Um, and then it's, it's your health. I mean, you know, better than anyone, my day starts with a highly defined routine. I'm up at five, five fifteen. Uh, there's meditation, uh, stretching, go to the gym and I've got, you know, I, I start my day out. And if, if the rest of the day fails, or if I'm not getting done what I want to do in this, in this place where I am in life, it's, it's so much of it is new. Um, at least I've done that right. And so it's about scoring little wins throughout the day. Mm. And then before you go to bed at night, I'm, I'm measuring myself. And it's against the previous day, the previous week. Where, where am I improving? What do I, you know, where am I failing? Uh, and to what extent am I filling those five buckets? Self-help, mm. inner peace, family, and trade. What, to what extent am I feeding my marriage? To what extent am I spending time with my kids? And it's, very, it's highly quantifiable. Um, you know, it's, it's how am I communicating love to my wife? Um, you know, what specific thing did I do today? Did I give her a hug? Did we kiss? Did we connect? Did I take her out? Did I ask her out on a date? Um, and then there's goes on and uh, so on and uh, with the kids and, and other things, but it, it's highly quantifiable and it works. Mm. I like that. And, you know, today we need to measure things more because, uh, or we are, we are in a measured society, everything, you know, I think today more than ever in our, in our, in history, things are more quantifiable. You know, when you look at your, every Sunday, you get the, I get this um, notification on my phone that says you have used your phone, you know, like 20% more or 20% less this week. Like, like we are wired to think in quantitative terms. So how do you quantify this? You say it's easily quantifiable. How can I quantify how much time I'm spending on myself, how much time I'm spending my wife, family, marriage, uh, my trade? How do you do this? Well, I think where, where most people fail, and I'll just you know, start with me again, because uh, that's who I know best. But I, you know, I was failing because I wasn't feeding these aspects of my life. 
we we get on this uh, path where we're work we need to feed in order to make money, right? Uh, whatever we do, we need to we devote time. We keep our schedules meticulously. Our meetings are you know, and we score ourselves accordingly. But what happens is we don't do that. We don't approach our marriage that way. We don't approach parenting that way, and we just expect it all to fall into place. And then we wake up one day, usually it's around the seven, eight year mark in the marriage when everything's blown up and our wives are looking at us and saying, you know, you, we, we no longer connect, you, you failed me or vice versa. And it's because we're not feeding it. It's, I find it rather ironic that it's very intuitive to say, well, I know if I don't feed my work and apply myself, it's not going to happen. But yet we don't apply that to other aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. So once you start doing that, it's it's a beautiful thing because you measure. I measure myself weekly, um, and you can see very clearly, as you would, you know, measuring your stats between you know how many miles you ran last week, or uh, what are you lifting, or yoga, or whatever you you know you can measure that as well as as am I feeding my my marriage, and then and then you can course correct because invariably you're going to come up short in some areas, right? We can't, we can't all go to bed every night and having filled every aspect of our lives. It's not realistic. So then you course correct where needed. There are two thoughts that come up. One, I'll just make a statement in that last comment that you made. I consider it like a wheel, the balancing a wheel, right? The spokes of a wheel. Um, and let's say you might be uh, around the same age, a mag wheel. Remember BMX mag wheels? Sure. That had oh, like yeah. Five yeah. spokes rather than the you know, the hundred of little ones. Yeah. So maybe like a mag wheel and, you know, you got to maybe just balance those. Sometimes it might be a little bit high on one, a little bit low on the other. And I use a color wheel where I'll do that. And then I'll have people fill out like a color and have it graded like 25, 50%, 75%, 100%. And you can see where in that wheel of life that you kind of fit and what's, what's out of balance and you can tweak it or it's fine it. tune it. Um, yes. Second is, you know, you talk about stoic. Um, it reminds me of a great book I just read uh, or listened to in my car by uh, Tim Ferriss, Stoic. Uh, sure. If you haven't read that yet, I highly recommend it. Um, but uh, it also makes me think about, you know, spending time with family, spending time on yourself, doing all these other things to have that balance where your focus and intention prior to this new way of being for you was your trade, was making money, doing, providing, you know, having that stability, security. And in our world, I think there's been a lot of emphasis put on that on men, where we're the providers, we're the, we're the, you know, the heroes, we're the, you know, the, the providers, the stability for the family, we need to work hard and play hard. Um, and so, I think there's a societal uh, contribution to some of the challenges that um, men are having in marriages and people are having. How do you see that playing out? Um, am I? Do you believe on you know on point there to a degree? Where is that? Where did that fit into your life? How does it play out for uh, the future? Well, you're spot on. I mean, look look at our. Uh, our origins in the, the last century. We were born in the 20th century and we were raised by fathers who their sole job was to be a provider. They were providers and protectors, right? And now you're married today. And if you show up as only a provider protector, I can assure you, you're going to wake up to a reality check because our wives, in so many instances, our, our, our wives have evolved in a way beyond that. They're doing more, they're working, 
they're they're caregiving and they're they're looking at us saying, look, you know, whereas our for our dads, our dads, you know, if they were great dads, that was a plus. If they weren't mm-hmm. golfing on Sundays, right? Or nothing was wrong with golfing, but you know, if if you were took a half a day off on a weekend today, you got little kids in your house, your wife's probably going to shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> but so so that's our model, and so the problem that we deal with is that that has been ingrained into us that all we need to do is provide and protect, and we're going to be great. And and men that I'm working with is such as much as along the lines of ones you're working with as well. They're killing it in that aspect of their lives. And their wives are looking at them, you know, beyond a certain point, we don't care. We need you here. I need you present. I need you in the kitchen making breakfast. I need you, you know, showing up for little Johnny's game. I need you taking me out on dates and showing me that you still love me. You haven't forgotten me. And so, and and we're confused because this is this isn't how we were raised. So that's the the challenge is that we have to tweak that model. And step up to the the century and 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 modify what success is, and it goes way beyond societal understanding of of just the monetary aspects. Hmm. Awesome, great! Thanks for uh, commenting on that. It was all, you know, very very uh, well put. What do you do as far as your health and fitness? Because you said, and you know, there's a health and fitness show, but it's also a mindset show. Um, let's talk first about mindset because that's where you typically anything starts. How did you start to create the change? Like, I know you like hit this, this rock bottom, if you will, um, you know, wife ready to divorce you really feeling down and out. What was that impetus that, that beginning of that thought process? What like made you what, like on that day, if you can remember that day, what did you do? What actions did you take in your mind, in your body, in your, in your doing for that day? If you can give us a recap, if you can recall that. Well, I mean, I, you know, it was, uh, gosh, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify it in terms of, or isolate it in terms of a day. Mm. It was, it was probably arguably a couple of years of pain. Okay. My wife had come to me basically. And she said, I'm done this. There's no hope of recovering this marriage. Uh, you're not, you're not there for me. You're angry. And, um, and I remember, I'll never forget. I mean, I, well, this comes to mind. I remember I was driving, uh, the girls to school. They were little at this time, kindergarten, first grade. And, uh, and we, I dropped them off and I was feeling sorry for myself. And I called an old friend actually lives in orange County. And I told him my sad story, right? I said, you know, wife doesn't want anything to do with me. And I ticked off all these things that I had done, right. Right. Look at our beautiful house. I remember counting the windows in our, in our house at that time you know, 117 windows. I got a house with 117 windows. Oh my that's how, that's how not, big not, my, not the little ones, not the that, little that, things. That's how big my ego was, right? That's how, oh that's God. how, that's how weak I was. Yeah. And, and then, um, and I said, you know, I provided, I provide the, edu- the, the, uh, the trips, the, the cars in our driveway, you know, that I could only dreamed about when I was a kid and oh, this is good enough. Ah. And I was ranting on and on. And, and finally there was silence on the line. Right. And he said to me, he said, I said, you're not saying anything. And he said, I'm not sure you want to hear, or you're ready to hear what I have to tell you. He said, what about you? And I, I remember I got off the phone and I was, this pissed me off for two weeks. Mm. That what, what do you mean? Did he not hear what I had, what I said? Um, you know, there was a whole host of things going on, but I had this, such this distorted understanding of my world and who I was in it. And 
I just had no clue. And that was my reality check. Two weeks later, I called him back. It took me that long to work through it. And I said, you know, I said, Jimmy, you're right. You're right. I have not taken a hard look at my, myself and my contribution. And I realized that, that, the, that I could turn this around. And although, and, and so many people run, run afoul of this, they'll say, well, a marriage takes two, right? It's 50 50. Well, bullshit, it doesn't. At times, you have to give 110%, and they're giving nothing. And that is what I would argue is marriage. That's mm-hmm. life. And, and it, you know, with your clients, it becomes really difficult because if you're on a pedestal and you know, you're on the Tonight Show and you come home and your wife says you're, you're you know, a piece of crap. You know, it's easy just to check out of that and say, well, I'll, I'll find someone else who's 10 years younger and hotter. And um, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't end well. And, and the idea of building something for your family, you know, financially, building a home and then parting with half of your net worth, that doesn't sound like an effective strategy mm-hmm. long term. But, but money aside, it's, um, I realized that I need to change myself. And this good friend said, you know, you can get divorced and you can go that route and you have every reason to. Uh, I, I get your logic, but he said, why not work on you first? Why not give it a try? Hmm. And then if you, if you wake up and you realize that you still need to go your separate ways, fine. You're in a better position to do that. But he said, where you are now, you have just no clue. And, uh, and again, these are hard things to hear, but good, fr- good friends, uh, you need to hear them from good friends every now and then. Yeah, like what would happen, what brings up is that, you know, you'd leave that marriage and you'd be bringing the same baggage to another relationship. And what was was there before is going to be there in this one. Absolutely. And I've dealt with, dealt with yeah. men like that who are now in their later 50s, early 60s on their second and third marriage. And, you know, the reality check just comes later. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's unavoidable, right? So you know, there's a good chunk of the book that's about marriage, but it's, it's really more than, than that. It's about getting yourself in order and getting your life in order so that you're in a position to, to give uh, to your children, to give to your family, uh, you know, to give to others and, and, and to be able to show up for all of that. And it starts with your physical fitness. Mm. So many men just can't show up because they're tired. They're exhausted. So, so God bless what you're doing because that's Great. the cornerstone of all of this. Thank you. So tell us about your physical fitness. What do you do on a daily basis? How do you move your body? So I'm, I'll, I'll be careful here because you're the expert. But that's uh, all right. Nope. I, I feel all free to jump in. Good but, movement. There's, <laughs> but it starts with it's a whole um, mind and body experience. I'm, I'm, you know, when when we were in our 20s, you were probably like this too. But the gym was synonymous with weights right? It was all about the weights, right? And, and I get it. I mean, I wanted to look good. I wanted to date attractive women and go out and have fun and higher self-esteem and, and weights lead to all of that. But when you get into your, your 40s and your 50s, you realize that it's, it's hopefully sooner than that. But for me, it was, it was in my 40s. I realized that I needed to get my whole body in order. And so I've got a, I've got, so for so many people looking good in the mirror, it's about going to the gym is about looking good. It's about, I'm in my 20s, I need to lift weights to feel good about myself. And I get it. But as you get older in your 30s and 40s and and 50s, it needs to be more about other things. And for me, so right now I'm 51 and uh, it's about, you know, cardio, cardio, weights, core, and yoga. And those are really the four components. So usually five days a week, for me, it starts with cardio. And that's, um, 
a couple days a week, I'm doing a hit class, high intensity interval training. A couple of days, I'm, I bike it about 50 miles a week. Um, and I usually take a class because I get more out of it because it's hard for me to do it on my own. And then I'll come home and I'm, I'm up early. I'm up at you know 5, 5.30, get to the gym by 6. I'll work out from 6 to 7. I'll get back home in time to cook the girls breakfast. I've got my, my younger daughter has got this thing for crepes. And so we'll do that. It's kind of a bonding experience. And then I take them to school and I go back to the gym three days a week and I'll do core or I'll do something else or yoga. Uh, and then on Saturday, usually Saturday morning, it's kind of a, my wife and I do this. It's also a way to connect. We'll go to the gym and, and I'll do, I'll do spin, uh, hit and yoga in, in the morning. And, you know, just feeling, feeling great. Never felt uh, in better health, even throughout my thirties and forties and, and really feel blessed and fortunate. That's that awesome. So you said that you were overweight, out of shape. Uh, can you give us an idea of where you were then and where you're at now? Like, I mean, oh, yeah, you, Steve, I, I, was, I was sad. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I never had, you know, I'm 25, 30 extra pounds, but, um, mm -hmm. but it was just a sad mental state. I mean, mm -hmm. I was tired all the time and, and, being tired leads you to be angry because you, especially if you have kids, you know, and throw in alcohol and your, you know, your attention span drops to zero. Mm -hmm. And, and that was a problem for me. I would, I was trying to be super dad. I would work all day and then I would get home early and, you know, trying to show up for my wife and, and, and kids. And at that time we even had a live in, but by the time I got home, she was done. Mm -hmm. So it was me in the kitchen preparing dinner usually. And, uh, and my wife was just, you know, ready to go to bed. She'd go to bed. And, and so I'd have an hour or so with the child. And, and many nights I found myself, you know, in the kitchen, cleaning up the kitchen between nine and 10 at night. And then I, at the time I remember I was watching uh, Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'd go upstairs and, you know, tune into Breaking Bad because I had a long day. I'd worked two jobs and, and, and was tired and, and I'd pour myself a scotch and, uh, and sit and drink. And after one episode and, you know, a scotch or two, I'd probably pour myself another one. And it was just, that was my way of decompressing, right? Mm. Totally unhealthy. And then I'd, I'd wake up the next day, the alarm would go off and I'd be exhausted. So I'd hit the snooze button, right? Try to sleep in as late as like, I mean, it was just the whole day was starting off on the wrong footing because of these habits, these poor habits. <clears throat> um, and it just, you get into that rhythm and it's understandable. I mean, we all get there, especially with little kids at home, you will be, taxed beyond belief. If you, you know, you're going through that with little kids changing diapers, trying to help out, um, it's overwhelming and, and people are challenged in dealing with it. Certainly, I mean, whatever women have, whatever the moms have to deal with is 10x us, but, uh, but challenging nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Why do you, or where do you think that those habits started from? Um, you know, the kind of, was it something that you saw as a child, your dad, that decompressing with scotch, or was it friends, peers, uh, TV, maybe even where, I mean, oh. how do you think some of those habits were created? All of that. I mean, TV ex exacerbates it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the attorney who's had a tough case pours himself a triple scotch and a crystal glass and, and takes a big swig. Mm. And, and we, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't an, an influence, but one day I'll never forget. This was again, back in 2015, maybe 20, 2016, where I'm pouring myself a drink on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I'm at the bar in our house and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I mean, I just become this cliche, right? I mean, how ridiculous am I? And, uh, 
but but it's very difficult to uh, you know we often we these were things that I didn't share with people. Um, I wouldn't talk about this with friends, and I certainly wouldn't share this on. A, we don't share it. In in fact, we don't share these things with friends. We we show up and and this is common for men as we talk about all our achievements and how great we are and you know what we're working on, right? And but my whole thing is get an accomplished group of men together. And sure, you can go through all your accomplishments and, and pat each other on the back, but also talk about those weaknesses, share that stuff, and, and have them hold you accountable. That is where things really turned around for me. I'll never forget this. We were living in um, Las Vegas at the time, and uh, around that same time period, I got a group of four men who I admired largely for their external achievements. And I had them over and I said, look, all of you have done impressive things. One guy was, you know, owned a winery in Sonoma and he ran a couple of banks and, and another was a CFO or a CEO of a, of a startup that had a thousand employees. And I got them together and, and we had drinks and dinner. And I said, I want to learn from all of you. I want, you know, and, and, and along those lines, after sharing the accomplishments, I want to get to know you, you know, the things that aren't going well. And I want to meet on a regular basis and and help one another. And that was really the genesis of, for me, this this turnaround, because I learned about diet. I mean, I had never, I grew up in the Midwest where protein was synonymous with animal uh, protein at pretty much every meal, right? And not there's anything wrong with that, but but, uh, I needed to change my diet to get myself, my cholesterol was too high. And, and so these men together, we were kind of helping each other and I, we would pull out strengths from each and, and take turns presenting in areas that we were well-versed in. And it was, it was just a beautiful thing to connect with other men along those lines who, and, and share some of the challenges. So we talked about you know, surrounding, surrounding ourselves with a group of men, in our case, who, who we can admire uh, for their accomplishments, but also learn from one another's weaknesses. And that's across diet, across nutrition. That's across, you know, some, one of the guys in the group was, uh, you know, a great dad. I admired him for that. Another one was, um, you know, had a, had a killer marriage. And so you take the strengths from each of those and you kind of, you, you learn from those and, and you apply it to your own life and figure out what works and, and it can be a beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree. Having those that support, whether man or woman, you know, like having that bond with friends that you can be totally vulnerable and authentic, share your 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 successes and your breakdowns. And Huge. those breakdowns, um, I think, are most important. If you read, you know, most books about successful people and their journey to success, uh, ex presidents, uh, CEOs, presidents of companies, whatever, they'll all say that the common theme in there is about what they learned during those breakdowns that were most important to help them get to the success that they were at, right? So it's not necessarily the the successes that teach us the most, it's the breakdowns or those failures that we have that show us that will shine the light on an area or a way of being or a way we're not being that needs to be tweaked and worked at and worked on and worked through. Absolutely, absolutely, and I know Steve, you've had your own share of of challenges. You know, the the accident that you you had was that in college or? It was mean, in college. I mean, yeah, I, I had a. Um, I was uh, 19 years old, uh, going into my sophomore year at the University of Maryland, and um, one of my best friends was uh, playing at Johns Hopkins. He was a quarterback for Hopkins, starting 
uh, playing another friend of mine that went to uh, a school in, in New Jersey. And we all grew up playing football and lacrosse together. And uh, it was a unique situation. Long story short, we were at his fraternity house uh, that evening after the game and, you know, drinking, partying, having fun. And my friend and I were on top of a rooftop. Um, and that rooftop didn't have a balcony. It was like, it was a hangout area. There were couches out there, chairs out there. There was other people out there hanging out, but we got a little too close to the edge and we sort of pushed each other off being just kind of, you know, rough housing, whatever we were doing. I actually don't have any idea. I don't remember, but we fell off and I fell 18 feet to the concrete onto my head, split my head open, um, was, uh, losing gray matter. My ears was bleeding out of my head, my face, um, was knocked unconscious. Long story short, I had to have brain surgery to save my life. And it took almost three years to recover where I had brain damage, short long-term memory loss, tip of the tongue syndrome. I had Bell's palsy from a um, facial paralysis from a damaged nerve that miraculously came back uh, days before the surgery to replace that nerve, which was only a 50% chance that it would recover. Hearing loss in my left ear where the eardrum was crushed from the impact, uh, where I had a reconstructive surgery a year after to uh, kind of reconstruct my eardrum. Uh, fortunately, they weren't, they didn't have to replace it. But uh, yeah, there was a miracle in so many ways uh, and a lesson learned in so many ways. And I, I say, no pun intended, but I fell into my career because mm. fitness um, was something I had pursued earlier in my life for athletics, for looking good, for, you know, the things that young, you know, boys do, uh, you know, wanting to play better on the, on the field, the football and lacrosse to attract girls. And that was that, but I did a really good job of that. And I had a lot of uh, success doing that in my early, in my early life. And up to that point, that was what I knew and I was good at it. And I had a lot of success in it. And, in my recovery, that was also what I went to. It was something that naturally just intuitive claimed to me that I was felt that that was going to make me better, not just physically, but emotionally. I was emotionally more than even physically was worse off because I had went from this scholar athlete, you know, great athlete, good looking guy, had everything I needed, wanted. And I was deformed looking. I talked out of the side of my face for almost a year. I, I, hundred stables and stitches in my head and just was literally deformed and just couldn't bear the look of myself in a, in a mirror. And so I became very self-conscious and insecure. Um, and it was a, it was an uphill battle. So I ended up, you know, fitness was not just about looking good and about recovering physically, but it was about feeling better, as you mentioned earlier. And it was about emotionally healing and about really not caring what other people thought about me and, and pushing through the, you know, that hard, those sticky points when doctors were telling me I would never be able to go back to college because my memory wasn't good enough, or I would never be able to speak in full sentences again, or remember somebody's phone number. And, you know, here I am today, I've been, you know, on national TV, I've, I've written a book recently, I've, I've talked in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, in lectures, and uh, I have an opportunity to, you know, influence and motivate and inspire and educate people in so many ways and capacities that I never thought was possible. But that accident, that breakdown led me to the possibility of creating the life that I'm living now and loving the life that I live. And I'm really grateful for that in hindsight. So, um, you know, I think that when we sometimes look at breakdowns in our life, we can look at them and say, you know, why is this happening to me? We can lament on it. We can be angry about it. We can be upset about it. And maybe so. And those motions are, 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 are viable and, and you might need to go through that. But 
you need to also think about on the other side, what is there for me? How do I grow from this? What can I give? How can I gain information, knowledge, experience, and how can I grow and give back? And I think that those are two most influential areas is to grow and give. And if we can do that, I think we're living a very fulfilling life. You know, I, I love it. We, uh, when life hands you that kind of a reality check, you have a choice. You can retreat to a corner and, and feel sorry for yourself for years to come, or you can do what you did. And that's pick up the pieces and, and, you know, evolve with it. And it's, it's, it really is a beautiful thing because it, it you, to carry that, you know, that humility that comes with it, that humbleness. And, and it's just, it, it's have to have a chance to restart is, uh, is truly, truly a blessing. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you asking that and for allowing me to share, um, you know, in, light of this in the book and and you know the the triumph of that as we talked about earlier this is a no small undertaking um you know as you grow and and create your brand around the book what are you up to personally and professionally now well um you know this is this is what i love doing i've done a lot of things i worked on wall street earlier in my career i ran a trading company out of shanghai uh for a number of years and uh, ran an investment company in orange county tech coast angels and and what I, I I love working with men because what I, I see myself I see this as an opportunity to save them from so much of the pain that I went through and with so many men are going through trying to figure it out on their own and it's it's really hard to do and and and, uh, and I applaud anyone who's turned things around but when I look at where my life was in 2015 with so much ending and where I am now, I couldn't have imagined the life that I lead today with my family and my wife and in our ability to repair and, and just the, the love and the compassion. And the, it's just everything has, has escalated in terms of my knowledge and my understanding. And, and I want to help men do that. I want to help men. I want to fast track that, if you will. It took me years. And I was just, I was fortunate that my, my wife hung on. Uh, but for many men don't have that opportunity. And so if I can help men through that transition and, and truncate time, if you will, you know, why spend three, four years fumbling through it or 10, 20 years trying to figure it out in your second and third marriage um, when you can learn and, and benefit from some of the, uh, the things that, that I'm doing. So that's yeah. really what I'm about. And so, awesome. yeah, that's it. That's great. It's uh, it's not just it. <laughs> it's 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 a it's an awesome endeavor and a a bright future, uh, no doubt. I, you know, I I I again acknowledge you for your ability to turn your marriage around, and I think that that's first that triumphs almost everything else. You know that in of itself. You know when you say on that altar, you know, till death do us part, for better for worse. You know, in sickness and in health, like there's something in that, you know, and there's, we, we lose that value. And sometimes you need to be reminded of yourself of that. And um, it's a commitment and like business, you know, uh, a relationship is like a business. And, um, you know, you, you know, I, I have 
failed in business. I've, you know, I've, I've picked up the pieces and, and built them up again, so on and so forth. But, you know, in relationship, it's easy to jump ship and easy to just go on to the next one. And, um, and whether it's, you know, a, a friendship, even like there's just a lot of easier ways today to kind of move on and, and forget about the past, but instead you did what was noble and stoic of you to create that and rebuild it. And that's inspiring to me. Well, and um, Steve, Steve, don't get me wrong. I yeah. mean, there were times when, you know, my wife would look at me and she'd say, Oh, is this the new you? Oh, you know, I mean, there's the, the, you know, the chiding, the teasing and, and you have, I mean, you, my mission or my, my message to men is that here's the formula that works. You got to stay the course and that's mm-hmm. on you. And this isn't going to happen in a number of days or a couple of weeks, and you're going to be tested. And But if you have a plan in place and you are proactively moving towards accomplishing that, that's a beautiful thing because you know where you're going. Most people, you know, if we don't know where we're going, we're, we're sure to get there. I mean, you, you know, you're just going to end up nowhere. So, But if you have a clear set, a, a clear understanding of where you want to go and how you're growing, and you can measure that. I mean, it, it, it's a lot easier to to handle those those challenging times. Mm, and that's having that vision, right? Have, you know, visibility. Uh, well, it's, which, it's having that vision and then executing it. Yeah. And where does the visibility? So visibility is you know creating the the, the title uh, visibility. Where did that come from, and why did you choose that? Well, I saw this. Um, I saw this 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 uh, um, artistic rendering of a man, which is the cover of the book, holding. Uh, I'll, I'll hold it up here, um, but holding a balloon from a balloon, and you can see the chaos in the streets below. Mm. And so this is synonymous with or represents life. Mm. Um, this is there are a lot of turns and and dead ends. And but here the man in the balloon has visibility, and he can mm. see over the horizon. And so one of the things that uh, one of the chapters of the book I talk about um, your 80th birthday. And this is a vision that I've clearly, I've clearly sketched out in terms of what do I want my 80th birthday to look like? And there I am, and everyone's there. My kids are adults and they've showed up. You know, what's my relationship with them? My wife's there. What does she think of me? My friends are there, people I worked with, and I'm scoring myself across that. And it's it's humbling because invariably you look at that and you think, oh, okay, I've got this under control, but I'm sucking wind here. And this is something that's important to me. Um, and, uh, and, I, and so I'm constantly revisiting that annually. You know, where am I, what path am I on? And, and am, I, am I hitting the mark? And, and where do I need to, where am I coming up short? Mm, it's great. I like that. So it's having that vision, you know, in the future, creating those action steps to help yourself get there and, you know, not thinking, um, having a positive mindset, which I'm sure that that has been very helpful. And, you know, would you say that you need to consistently check yourself on that? And how do you do that? Well, um, it's humility. Um, Mm -hmm. We all mess up, right? We say something stupid or we raise our voice to our kids or to to our wife or whoever. It's being accountable Mm -hmm. for that. And one of the things I used to do, uh, I remember when our kids were really little and we were deprived of sleep and, and, you know, tempers are short and I would say stupid things. And then I would say to myself, oh, I don't want, I shouldn't have said that. Right. I raised my voice at my wife or I said something I shouldn't have said. And, and I would, you know, but yet again, I would do it again mm-hmm. and it would happen again. And so I realized that when I come clean 
on those shortcomings. For example, if, if I snap at my wife, I want my goal is to apologize to her before she brings it up. Mm-hmm. Because I know that's going to, you know, is 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 going to affect have negative consequences, and I need to be accountable for that. So it's, you know, excuse me, honey, I, I, sorry, I, I lost it. I, I, I spoke to you in a way that was inappropriate, and I don't. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's with your kids too. Sometimes this happens with with your kids. So it's it's being accountable and with mm-hmm. friends, with like you that. know. That's not who I am. That's not how I want to show up. And then, but once you you have to humiliate yourself a little bit and have those conversations, the next time you think before you open your mouth and say something stupid, or that at least it's worked for me. Yeah. But um, so it's keeping yourself in check, and and keeping that that balance again at the end of the night. Where am I at the end of the week? Where am I in these five buckets? You know, am I filling my obligation to my family, to my to my wife, to my kids? Am I fulfilling my obligation health wise? And I started out that super Saturday with working out because invariably, you know, you, you, you miss a workout during the week or you, you were up half the night because you've got newborns. Oh, I miss a workout and the weekend would come around and I'd, oh, I haven't been to the gym all week. Right. And it's all justifiable. Right. So I started going and, and, and making that up because I, I, you have to stick with that plan or it's just too easy to put it aside. I think it's great. I think it's, you know, it's you, you, you've got a plan and you're working the plan. And it sounds like this book allows you to give you that, the, the action plans, it gives you this, the, the framework and, and doing just that for your life. Would you agree? Is that Absolutely. something that I can look forward to when I read, I can get some action plans and, and have a framework to, to help myself? Absolutely. It's all about, okay, I know, I know that I'm not doing this right, but how do I correct course? Awesome. What do I do? Whether it be all those different areas, what can I do today? Now, you know, if you look at the the physical fitness, there's a chapter on on your fitness. I mean, it just scratches the surface, right? I mean, turning to someone like you who has that expertise is key. But if you can just get up and you know get your get out of bed and get to the gym, that's half the battle sometimes, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, that's Absolutely. half the battle is, is that is that mindset. Um, it's okay, I'm putting here. your sneakers on and and putting your gym clothes on and going out the front door. I absolutely. I don't. I would argue that there's been very few people that have gotten that far and have turned around. So you know, once you do right. that and you get out that 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 five minutes, whatever it takes to get to that point, you, you're you're half you're halfway done. Or you mentioned Tim Ferriss. I'm a big fan yeah. as well. One of the things he said was uh, in one of his fitness books is he said, "Pay for your exercise. Pay for your training in advance." Right. Mm-hmm. If you're going to shell out the cash for that, you better show up. Right. It's Definitely. it's not refundable. And I it's part of you know what uh, my the benefit of have being you know hiring me in the past, and I've I've said it. You know, like no doubt, it's the accountability. You know, that's part of what I do. And you know, obviously, I educate and make people help them get to their goals more efficiently and safe. But it is that accountability. And sometimes you got to charge more. Uh, if you're a fitness professional listening, you charge more so that that becomes more valuable. When people try to negotiate with me, I do not negotiate. I don't sell packages. I don't put anything on sale. I don't give anything for free. Like it is what it is. And it's because I know my value. And I want you to appreciate that as well. As soon as you say, I'll give you, you know, two for one, or you buy 10 pack and I'll give you, you know, hundred bucks off or whatever it is, like you've all of a sudden devalued that whole service and that relationship isn't going to go anywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I want to let you all know that. 
Well, you know what, Stu, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We're, we're just about at our hour here. I, again, acknowledge you for the work that you've done. I acknowledge you for that transformation that you created in your relationship, your wife and family, uh, in your business and in, in your life from the inside out. You know, I, I think that that is something to really hang your hat on. And then finally, the book, you know, Visibility, it sounds like it's an extraordinary read, highlighting all the things that we talked about today to turn your health and your marriage and your life around, creating the mindset to live the life that you love. Anything that you are up to, please let me know. If you need support, I'm here for you. I'd love to be able to support you in this because I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, playing the game of life to win. Well, Steve, it's it's so nice to meet you through this podcast, and and I appreciate so much what you're doing and all the all the the positive vibes you're putting out there and the information. I mean, this is this is something that people need to understand and appreciate. It took me a long time that that your health, your physical health, is the cornerstone for everything else. Everything flows from that. It's not money. Mm. It's not how much you're making. It's you get your health in order. You get your 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 fuel, as I like to say. I don't like I hate the word diet. But you get that your intake of food intake and your health in order, and it puts you in a position where you're just unstoppable for every aspect of your life. It has positive ramifications. So hats off to what you're doing because that is that's the lifeblood of who we are. I mean, none of this means anything unless we live to to experience and have it right. And so many lives are cut short because people shortchange themselves and they don't take care of their physical health. So so thank you for what you're doing and and uh, really really appreciate your your time today and, and this this podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure. I look, I look forward to staying in touch and have, potentially having you back on the show. Uh, and for all of you that are listening, thank you for listening to this point. And thank you for being here. Uh, it truly means a lot. Stay healthy, stay fit from the inside out. I'll see you next time. Thank you for spending your time with me and my guest today on the Steve Jordan Experience. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, there are a few things that you can do. First, sharing is caring. So show your family and friends how much you care about them by sharing this podcast to encourage them to live their best life. Two, go to my website, stevejordan.com, to subscribe to my Get Fit community. Here, you will receive updates, news, and valuable information for ways for you to get more involved in the Steve Jordan experience. And finally, take a minute to please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps me to continue to get outstanding guests to create an extraordinary listening experience for you. That's all, friends. Thanks for listening to the Steve Jordan Experience.